Welcome to the Motorsports in Focus podcast. I'm your host, David Santiago, joined by my co-host and producer, Joe McKinney. Hope you enjoy. All right, so how you doing, Joe? I'm just fine. How are you doing, David? Doing pretty good, actually. We had a pretty good week of racing, weekend of racing. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Do you, which, uh, so did you saw all the races or saw most of them? I saw, I, so I watched all of IndyCar. Yeah. And then um, I watched the highlights for the IMSA, and I don't know anything about Portimao. Okay. Like, not even a little bit. That might work out, actually. That'll be a fun one to talk about. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, it was really nice, actually, to watch the races uh, live for once. I'm normally watching, like, a recording, or sometimes I just have to watch the highlights. It, I don't it, have it time. is better. Yeah. It, it's always better. Every sporting event is better live. Yeah, it's way more exciting. And uh, I happen to like the Long Beach races, so we had IMSA and IndyCar at Long Beach, which I think it's a cool track, so I was excited to watch live, mm-hmm. but I know you're not as excited about the street circuits. It's, yeah, no, it's it's not a good track. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's iconic, I get it, it's it's a big deal, it's, it's like the second biggest race on the Indy calendar. Yeah. Screw it, like I just, I... <laughs> I can give or take on that one. I don't like it. I don't think it's a fun track to watch. It might be a fun track for them to drive. I respect it. I respect the hell out of the drivers for having to go through that. I mean, what yeah. during the race, they're doing 180 miles an hour down the straight. Yeah. Like, goodness. That <laughs> yeah, through downtown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, no, as far as the track's concerned, yeah. It's not. Fair enough, fair enough. I don't want to debate street circuits right now. No, that's but, um. <laughs> But it is also interesting that Indy and IMSA are there on the same weekend, and so you get an interesting comparison between the two. Yeah. Um, so who technically races first? Indy is the headliner. Yeah, so they're Sunday. So IMSA's first. Right. Yeah. They race on I, Saturday. Because I, I watched the Indy race recorded. Um, I was actually out. I guess I, I saw the very opening of the Indy race, but I was out um, when it started, so I didn't really watch any of it live. Yeah. Well, let's start, the... let's start there. What okay. did you think of the Indy race? Uh, it was pretty good it yeah. like it it's interesting it it kept my interest which is a good thing i guess that's what interesting is yes <laughs> but, yeah <laughs> um but no it was one of those races where i guess give it a, a b right like it's not it wasn't bad it wasn't great i i the nothing out of it stood out to me like this is okay that was amazing or Wow, I'm really glad I watched that. The the one of the cool things was spoiler alert for those of you that haven't won it or haven't watched it, uh, Kyle Kirkwood won it, so a Floridian won it, which is yeah, that's kind of cool. cool. You know, like I, I can appreciate that. Yeah. I like I like that Floridians win things being yeah. from Florida or living in Florida now, not from Florida. But um, I didn't realize. Quick quick side note: Logan Sargent, who's racing for uh, Williams in F1, yeah, also from Florida. I did not know that. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, so Kyle Kirkwood getting the win was pretty cool. I enjoyed that. Um, I, I thought the racing was as good as it can be on the circuit that it is. It um, was not as crashy as I thought it would be. That's that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, I didn't. There was not very many cautions. Um, I we didn't have I had like said, the Saint Pete pile up. Right. I said to you off the podcast um, that Liberty Mutual fooled me about fifteen times with their <laughs> advertisement on the actual like leaderboard that yeah. they have yeah. because it's a bright yellow advertisement exactly below where they would put caution. So <laughs> regularly I would look up and it's like yellow and it's like, Oh, Oh no, we're good. Okay. Uh, but there was a lot of cautions from Liberty mutual, but not very many in the race, which yes. is good. Yeah. 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 It really wasn't too bad. Um, there were some incidents though. There was. And, uh, but I do agree. I think, um, 
Kirkwood did a great job, and it was uh, for a second year driver. I mean, dude, he he looked yeah. like a veteran, like a grizzly veteran that's just done this a thousand times. Yeah, and it was a great race out front, which was yeah. nice to see, especially for open wheel. I find, I think that uh, that's actually quite rare in open wheel racing in general. No matter what series is Formula One, Indy, or whatever, yeah, you rarely see like that last lap battle in open wheel. No, racing. yeah, I I agree. I felt really bad for Newgarden because he was by far the best driver all day. Yeah, um, and then to just get hit with a fuel uh, issue at the end because of team strategy or driver strategy i don't know what you know he, he's a part of the team ultimately so some sort of team strategy whether it was on him or the calculator the, the calculator the computer the, yeah whoever decided <laughs> how much fuel they had left yeah um you know the guy with the abacus in the back uh, it's unfortunate that that's what cut his race short because he was flying yeah and yeah. making a lot of really good moves but to go on to the controversies that that i imagine well, also, you're going to talk about real quick i I said last lap battle. I guess it wasn't exactly a last lap battle, but it was close at the end, and I thought we were going to get a battle with Groshan coming. Especially with how much push to pass he had. I was going to talk about it, because we had a, this whole chat about... Um, was that on last episode, or was that on our lost episode? It might episode, have been though? the lost episode, actually. We had this whole discussion about push to pass versus DRS, etc. I think it was the lost episode. Could have been. Um, but it was interesting to see Grosjean had a ton of push to pass. Yep. And it really didn't seem to make a difference. I don't know if Kirkwood also had Well, he also finished the race with 153 seconds still. Oh, really? Yeah, he ended up not using it hmm. because here and here's the part of the issue. He ran out of his fuel window. Mm. Push to pass uses more uses fuel. More fuel, yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. I'm surprised they actually run, I mean, I'm not surprised because it's what every racing team ever has ever done. They run such little fuel, not thinking about... Like, I wonder, strategy-wise, if it's better to have more fuel in the car and run a little bit heavier, but make full advantage of your push-to-pass, or run a little bit lighter for the whole race. I cannot remember the last time somebody had that much push-to-pass to finish a race. Yeah. Uh, it's a testament to how fast Grosjean was without it. Mm -hmm. It's also the opposite of whatever a testament is, um, an indictment, maybe, on... <laughs> his ability to strategize going around the track because what the hell are you doing with that much left over? Yeah. Uh, so, I I mean, I am pleasantly surprised, though, with how fast many of the former F1 drivers are in IndyCar. Like, Ericsson and Grosjean are always at the top. Why do you think that is? Do you think they're just that fast? I, I, thi I think that for you to stay in Formula 1 as long as the two of them did, granted, neither of them won a world championship, neither of them won a bunch of races, I think... Grosjean maybe won one race. He had the most success out of that group. I know I he had say. ten podiums because they said it during the broadcast. Yeah. I don't remember if he won a race. I don't though. think he did. But he was in Formula One for a very long period of time. So was Jonathan Erickson. Yeah, not Jonathan Erickson. Marcus Erickson. Sorry, yeah. different sport. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my hockey's coming in. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's. I, I think it shows that there's still a different caliber of driver. At, at Formula One. I think that's why you're seeing guys like Callum Eilat and Pato Award who were on the cusp of becoming Formula One drivers didn't get the drive and aren't dominating IndyCar. Granted, they're young. They are young. But it's not... They haven't jumped into the IndyCar the way that... I mean, Fernando Alonso came into IndyCar. We've talked very highly of him, obviously. But yeah. he came into IndyCar and ran the world. So did JPM. You know, Juan Pablo Montoya, was. it was no accident he was ridiculously fast in IndyCar. I think you you just what you see is that F one drivers go to IndyCar and become really fast. 
or become top of the leaderboard type of stuff. Yeah. You don't ever see it the other way around. <laughs> no well, one goes from IndyCar into, into F1. Yeah. I think it's also just like we saw uh, Jordan Taylor recently competed in a NASCAR race and did quite well. Was, it, was he Jordan Taylor or was he uh, Rodney Sandstorm? Huge missed opportunity that you just pointed <laughs> out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, those of you, those of you that don't understand the reference, just look up Rodney Sandstorm, and yeah. it'll it'll all piece itself together. Yeah. Jordan Taylor's uh, Instagram is uh, definitely one to follow. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, he did quite well, which I thought was interesting, and makes me wonder: is it easier for? It was obviously at a road course, and you know, maybe NASCAR guys aren't the, don't have the most amount of experience on a road course. But at the same time, you're like. Man, he he like qualified second or something though. And it's mm-hmm. like that's pretty impressive. Just yeah. jumping in a NASCAR and being like, okay, yeah, I'll just go qualify well, second. That's, that's the interesting thing about IndyCar is that you do see a significant difference between the guys that can drive very successfully on an oval and the guys that can drive very successfully on the road course. There is a big difference yeah, between the, the, the that set of drivers. Yeah, there's a reason. Like, not to diminish what Elio can do, because he is a pretty damn good road course driver as well. But you put him on an oval, he is always at the top. Yeah. Always right there fighting for it. Same with Scott Dixon. Granted, Scott Dixon's won six world championships now in IndyCar. So yeah, he's he's like one of the best yeah. ever. Yeah. So yeah. It's interesting to see that. But coming back, um so that was the end of the race and obviously Kirkwood came out on top. So there were a couple of things that happened during mm-hmm. the race, a couple of incidents, and there was some drama afterwards that I'm not going to talk about because I really think it was silly drama um, regarding some of the incidents. But the main one I do want to talk about in a, a racing sense was Pato Award and uh, Scott Dixon. Yep. And I'm before I say anything, what are your thoughts on it? Uh... Let me first say exactly what factually happened. Award went for a move on the inside, and they hit pretty squarely, uh, tire to tire, and Dixon off into the wall. And he did come from a long way back. Um, that's just a fact. Like it was a, it was a bit of a lunge. But they hit squarely. Dixon in the wall. Award continues on. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened. So what are your thoughts? I, I think that Award definitely deserves some sort of race penalty. Okay. Um, I, I think. In the situation, and, it, and it I am, was I am a not lunge. It was a <laughs> lunge and a half. I am not someone that's keen on calling anything that happens on the racetrack other than a racing incident. Typically, I mean, you've spent enough time around me. I'm not one to hand out penalties. Yeah, and we, not we a, both applaud F1 when we're like, "Oh my god, we got through an incident and there wasn't a penalty." Yes, it's amazing. You know that situation, and. What I can already hear people listening to this that watch the race going, well, they were side by side when they made contact. The start of that corner was not when they were side by side. The start of that corner was way back there. Yeah. Scott Dixon had already committed to braking and turned in before Award had even gotten his front tires to Scott Dixon's rear tires. Yeah. Not only that, there is some meaningless curbing. On the inside of that corner, <laughs> like entirely meaningless curbing. It blows my mind because I, we watched the highlights of the IMSA race and saw the same thing. I don't know what that curbing is there for outside of just creating an obstacle for drivers to either go inside or it's outside just of. It's a suggestion. <laughs> I 
It was horrendous, man. Like he just no, like just nosedived in there. And I thought, okay, maybe he's going that far inside because of the incident or because Scott Dixon's there. So he's trying to give him as much space as possible. But that we saw it the whole race. And then again, in, in IMSA, the, that corner just apparently you go over the curbing there. And award did it twice. Award did do it twice. He did it again. Yeah. I, I was shocked. I saw him do it again. I was like, what? And that, yeah. And that, that second dive was egregious. And I don't know if you saw his interview afterwards. He it was, was not, the, I was not a fan of his take on it. Nor was I. No, yeah. he he was completely unapologetic about the one the move on Scott Dixon, and somehow felt that the second move was egregious enough, and he's going to go apologize to that guy. I didn't see a difference in the two of them. They, they were they the were exact, exact same yeah, move. Exact same move. I, it, it, like I and get the second that you one can say ruined that, his race. Yes. And I get you can say that Scott Dixon turned in on him, but like I said, that move, that's that situation it's, it's that Scott Dixon. It's a really wide section of track, and Dixon was already essentially set up for the corner. You once once you make the move as the lead driver to put yourself in position of the corner, yeah, you that's it. There is no yeah. resetting. Like this, these cars. We just talked about how they did 180 down the straight. They, I mean, they're taking this corner at probably 90 miles an hour. You cannot be in that position where all of a sudden you're saying. Yeah, he's got to make a quick adjustment to to yeah. let a car. That's By the way, there's a car flying in, the inside. in. Yeah, I mean, like, because that's what he tried to do. I mean, maybe if there wasn't some contact, you can see him react in with the steering can, wheel. But it, there's just nothing. The he thing is, done. yeah, and, and the contact wasn't that bad. But the problem is, there's nowhere to go on that. Like, yeah. if that we wouldn't be talking about that move if that had happened at uh, what's the chicane at Canada after the. Or even Australia, some of these like these chicanes that they have, right? And then you got this huge gravel trap on the yeah, outside. Yeah. If that happens, Dixon's in the gravel trap and is able to kind of skate through it mm-hmm. and get out back on track. We're not having this discussion, yeah, because there's a tire wall on the outside. And then the other thing is, if Award had made the same dive, but to the outside, and they make contact, we're not talking about it either. Yeah, like it's not a big deal. It's because Dixon had set himself up to take the corner that he's that he's taking. He's already put the car to go after the apex there, right? And then someone shoves it down the the inside. There's just no way to react to that. There's no way as as the driver that was in the lead the, the in the lead position. Yeah, ca- he can't do anything. There's no way for him to make a move. And look. I'm not a big Scott Dixon fan. I don't really like I can give or take. It doesn't he's not a driver I regularly root for. He is maybe the nicest guy on the entire grid. Like yeah. all you ever hear are positive things about Scott Dixon. Yeah. And his interview afterwards was like, yeah, I just I don't know what he saw. If that's how we're going to race, then I need to adjust how I race. Didn't blame award or anything. He yeah. just went like, look, I got to make some changes or something. It's a pretty stark contrast from, oh, yeah, I'm not apologizing to him. I made a good move. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But I was still just shocked to even see, like, watching that move live, you knew as soon as that move started. Yes, it was, was going to be, that yeah. was not going to end. Calamity. Well. It was yeah. not going to work. And it to me, it looked like a Forza move. <laughs> Anybody who's played Forza Motorsport online, you know that it was, it's yeah. this late lunge, and you're just like, well, I'll just stuff it down the inside, and if I run wide, I'll just run into them and continue on my way. It's, it was 100% a move with no consequences. Yeah, exactly. It, I mean, it, like, it was just somebody that, okay, if I crash, well, then we're both out of the race. I'm not injured. You're like, yeah. I, 
we we talk about how like drivers have gotten more aggressive now. Like that's mm-hmm. been a thing, you know, racing the it's younger been a, guys. Yeah, it's yeah. been a big discussion for years. It's because there's no threat of getting injured, yeah. right? Like I don't want them to get injured. Don't take that as what I'm saying now. Yeah. But if there was a threat to get injured in that in that you event, not make that, move. that move is not made. No. Yeah, that is not a you're not pushing that to to try and create that problem. Yeah. No, I I totally agree and I I just I don't know. I just couldn't believe that that was bad enough. It was like, whoa, that was a ridiculous move, you know. Yeah. And then he did it again. Yeah, did it again. And it caught yeah. him out. And so I don't know. I was in while leading the world championship. Yes, or the the IndyCar. I, in, do they call it the world championship in IndyCar? I don't even know. I think but just anyway, championship. I don't okay. know though. But uh, I, the thing that came to mind no, right there's pro- away. There's probably a sponsorship. It's probably like the uh, Verizon. The, the Verizon AT&T. NTT. <laughs> maximum championship of points leader. Yeah. <laughs> uh, God, I hate sponsorship like <laughs> so much. It makes it so annoying, especially for history. You know, people wonder you're gonna be like, "Oh, do you remember the Long Beach NTT Verizon um, Liberty Mutual Grand Prix of yeah. of something?" And you're just like. Of what, Long what Beach at again? Long Beach. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hate that so much. But the the first thing I thought of when I saw the incident is my opinion on racing. Like I saw it, I reacted to it, and then afterwards I'm like, hmm, this is kind of challenging my view of like let him race, right? And I was like, is this a situation where you just say it's racing, or is this a situation where somebody actually needs to be penalized? And eventually I came to the same conclusion of like, that's gotta be penalized. Like that move just had no regard for Dixon at all or his race, and it just shoved him in the wall. Yeah. That, that has, something has to be done about to that. To be fair, though, I was shocked that Dixon not only was able to restart the car, back out of the wall, and drive as I if nothing too. happened. Those like, Lars are, are stout, man. <laughs> like, he drilled that tire he wall, did. man, and was fine. Yeah, it was, it was. I was impressed by that. And it didn't even look like it had that much damage on How the How did he retire from the race, though? Because uh, all I believe this... it was low oil pressure or something. So it may still have been due to that incident. It could have, yeah. Okay. yeah. But, um... I, I still... I've, I feel like there... I don't know like how I, you can implement it, but I, I... My gut tells me that I want the penalty to be equivalent to what the driver that didn't receive... Like, the, the other driver in the incident... What happened to his race should happen to your race, and that's your penalty. Well, that's what he did with the second move. Essentially. He penalized himself. Yes, but <laughs> that's true. But you understand what I'm saying? Like, if you knock a driver out of the race, you should be immediately disqualified from the race. Yeah. The only problem that I can foresee in that is that there are times where the team can get a car back together, they push for a little bit, and then they're like, this isn't working, we got to retire. And then it's like, are you going to retroactively penalize the guy that's now in fourth yeah. because they retired because of an incident from... so? I don't know how you make that work, but I do feel like that's the the most fair way to go I, about it. I think, but then again, it's not racing. I mean, that's yeah. like that's we're we're change completely trying to change the way a sport has been for hundred years. I think you have to look at it subjectively and own up to the fact that it's subjective, um, because there's no way to regulate that kind of thing in my opinion i mean we've seen them try to do it in formula one and it ends up just being sporadic sometimes it's a penalty sometimes it's not a penalty and it's always bad pr no matter what yeah always i think you just have to look at it subjectively and make a decision on the spot with whoever you have in the steward's office Mm -hmm. and you need to have drivers in there so that drivers can look at that and go that was a ridiculous move 
that deserves a penalty. And you give them a penalty because the same reason, like, you punish someone for any other reason. It's like, we do not want you to do that again. Yes. If, if you want to see that move again, then you let it go. Yeah. You know, and I think, uh, as far as I know, I haven't checked back after the race, uh, they did let it go. And so, you know what? We're going to see that happen again. Yeah. Yeah, we know? are. We are. And what's, what's really interesting to me is that, he, that him doing this as the championship leader tells me right now that he's got no regard for anybody else on the track. Yeah. Because it, like, if there, if you're dead last in the championship, you got you've scored no points. You're having a bad season, right? You make that move, you go, okay, the guy's just desperate. He's trying to find something. Yeah, this dude is leading the championship, and this is at Long Beach, so like you think you'd be like, I don't want to stuff it in the wall. Yeah, one of the goals at Long Beach is to survive. Yeah, finish. You know? Yeah, just finish, finish the, the damn race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a it was a very interesting move. I was not not keen on it by any means, but. There were some other interesting interesting situations, too, like some wall taps and stuff like that. Did you oh, see yeah. Grosjean hitting the, the outside wall entering the fountain? Yeah. What? <laughs> what, what was that? That was like lap... Uh, I don't remember how many laps they did. There was like five to ten laps left to go. And, yeah. and he taps the wall. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why? Are, you should not be over there. Just stay away, man. Yeah, man. I, I, but that's, a, that's the thing I like about circuits like that. It's like... You see him, the difference between no consequences Mm -hmm. and major consequences is literally a millimeter. Oh, yeah. You know? And even then, I think he he was okay, obviously. Mm -hmm. And there was a a couple other guys that I saw. Before Dixon got involved with Award, Mm -hmm. he tapped the wall. Like, lap two or three, tapped the outside wall right where uh, the entry is for FD. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they're on the radio, like trying to figure out if something's wrong with the car. Yeah. And I'm sure that you'd instantly feel some kind of vibration. Did, did you hear? Did you hear the commentator that said that? Oh, it's okay because the the floor sticks out just that couple of inches or a qu- quarter inch. That. So if they hit the wall, they they affect the floor and not the wheel. And I'm like, I guarantee you, no one on that team wants the floor yeah. affected. <laughs> well, <laughs> they would much rather sacrifice a shot to the wheel. Yeah. Than, than having a but fractured floor. That like, only apply. I, I, I'm not entirely sure it does stick out that much, or if it's exactly. There's a, there's a noticeable amount. There, you can see okay. it pass past the wheel because as I, soon as he said it, they they the next shot was yeah. like, okay, I can see it okay. now. Okay. The problem is that only applies if you hit it dead square yes. on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Otherwise, you're hitting the wheel. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, no, I I think that's a cool aspect of street circuits. Because you got to push it right up to the limit, and then it's game over. Well, and, and I've, I've made some comments before about how I don't like Canada as a circuit, right? Uh, yeah. But the Wall of Champions is awesome. Like, it's it's one of those things, exactly what you're talking about. How far do you want to push it? Are you willing to go get it? Because, dude, your margin for error is very, very small. Yeah, yeah. But I think the happy median between the two, like a open road course and a street circuit, is like a place like Sebring where you have some walls, but guess what? You go off track, you're in the grass yeah. or you're in the dirt. Yep. And it's like, you don't want to do that. And when you see someone go into there, you go, Ooh, they dropped a wheel. Yeah. It's still exciting. And it's self-policing. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Best, best 100%. Not way to, to have it. Not track. to mention, I love grass as the outside of yes. a track because yes. just the plume of dirt and grass yeah. <laughs> and debris that goes flying yeah. all over the place. You're like, this is dramatic. Nothing really as significant is happening right now, yeah. but this looks dramatic. Yeah, it's also very good it's for a, photos. It's and, a spectacle. Yes, exactly. 
It's just, but it's that's one of those things that you got to be in the right place at the right, right time. Oh yeah, of course you do. Yeah, yeah. For the for the photography aspect, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Very very addicting though. You can spend way too much time in one spot because you just want to get that one yeah. shot. I want you to go off. Yeah. <laughs> You're just sitting there with your camera. Go 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 go. Was, Damn it. It was literally go go me. go go go. <laughs> I literally did that. I was literally standing at one of the corners. I was like, would somebody please drop a wheel in the dirt? <laughs> Are we going to get a brake failure? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. But it does make for, for great photos. I could imagine. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think uh, overall it was a pretty good race. Um, like I said, I'd, I'd give it a, a B, which is passing. You know, yeah. it's like I'm not sitting there saying it. Would would I rewatch the race? No. No, me neither. Would I watch Long Beach again next year because this was entertaining enough to do so? Yes. Yeah. But I've been doing that for the last... I don't know, 10 years, whatever, however long I've been watching indie at this point. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I'm kind of hooked in, but yeah, it, Long Beach is Long Beach, man. I don't <laughs> know. It's like... So how do you think the IMSA race compared? Uh, so only watching the highlights, regrettably, because I forgot that the IMSA race existed at Long Beach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, it looked pretty, pretty amazing. Granted, highlights are going to do that. Yeah. But the battles look great. Closed wheel racing is awesome, especially the, like those GPT or G, GTP. GTP sorry, yeah. <laughs> the GTP cars are really good, man. Like yes. that's this is great <laughs> racing. All of a sudden, like I don't know what else to say. Sebring was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Daytona was fantastic. Long Beach was fantastic. Yeah. At least from the highlights, like I I'm seriously contemplating going back and watching the full race just because these cars are battling. Also, Porsche won, so that helps. Um, <laughs> I, kn- but I knew you'd be happy. I had, that. I had to slide that in there. <laughs> um, but, dude, it just, they they look like they can, it, it, look, it reminds me of Australian V8 supercars. They look yeah. like they can be around each other, that they can beat the hell out of each other, still make it through corner. Their brakes don't seem to work very well. No, the bra- brake braking's <laughs> an issue. <laughs> but, but the, as long as you have another car on your outside, you can use them and you're fine. So, that's. What Pat O'Ward did, and he got through the corner just all right. Yeah, exactly. Different series, but... <laughs> <laughs> Good strategy. Yeah. That's what it was. It was just a strategy decision. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, no, it was a cool race. I got to watch it live, which was fun. I, I was, I'm always worried at Long Beach that there's going to be a traffic jam at the hairpin, which has happened before. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, somebody gets like, spinned around. And then you got 10 cars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're all just stopped. Yes. Um, we only that had... is a terrible hairpin. It's not great. It's I, so bad. You can tell that drivers will sort of favor the outside when they're following somebody yeah so that if there is a backup they can like bail out yes uh, i did notice a couple like the, that was the but bailout. the funny thing is like it's so it it's a it's a bad corner in racing like imsa indy whatever it, even like old porsche cup cars and stuff like that mm-hmm. it's, it's bad in that it's bad in formula drift like it's not a useful corner in formula it's drift terrible it's in formula like it's it's just it's just a bad corner it's somehow iconic because it's a hairpin, but it's well, like, or it's not a hairpin. It's the hairpin in Long Beach. It's like, yeah, guys, it's it's Long Beach. Like, come on, it's not. What are we doing here? Yeah, I think it's just how they had to get back to the main straight. Though. Oh, of course it is. Yeah. So, which is, it's like you want to think you're like, well, could you have just gone down a little bit further? Well, no. Maybe? What they and need is no outside walls. So that way, the water's in play. Now you're thinking. Yeah. Now you're thinking. You don't have traffic jams all of a sudden. <laughs> you may have very interesting cautions, but no more traffic jams. 
the beach is just right there. It'd be a proper sand trap. Yeah. Instead of the gravel. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I solved it. Yeah. Might as well just get rid of the barriers at Monaco as well. That you, that used to be the case. Oh, I know. There are pictures of cars being lifted out of the water. Yep, I'm fully aware. That's why I, that's what gave me the idea of Long Beach. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Long no. Be- now that I think of it, Long Beach and Monaco are the exact same thing for me. They they literally are. It's our Monaco. It's literally what it is. Like it's mildly iconic. Well, Monaco's very iconic, yeah, yeah. but it's iconic in some facet, and it's crap. Yeah. I like it still though. <laughs> but you like Monaco as well, don't you? I like I like I, I like iconic, but I don't like <laughs> iconic. I'm trying to think of something iconic that I don't actually like. And I can't really think of something. I I definitely really enjoy when something has the history and the recognition and stuff it adds to the overall experience for me. No, that's fair. I mean it's like I, I was talking to somebody at work the other day, and they were talking about the difference between, like, Live Tour and PGA Tour, right? Because you got yeah, that battle going example. on. So somebody's saying, well, I don't understand. Why doesn't Live Tour just make their own majors? It's like... You can't just because, do that. Yeah, because no one would care. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, It'd be like the FedEx Cup and the PGA Tour. Yeah, no nobody cares. cares. No one cares about. It. Oh, it's the, he won the tour championship. I couldn't tell you who won the tour championship. I tell you, everybody who won the last four yeah. majors every year, but tour championship, don't give a crap. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of the legacy that's built upon years and years and years and years of going back there. I get it, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go yeah. on. So because I could go for a while about Long Beach. Uh, we did see it was interesting at the beginning of the race, four day going off uh, into the wall. Under, under breaking, yeah, which is pretty weird. It was weird. I mean, like from what I saw, clearly it was a brake issue of some sort. Whether he locked up or didn't have the brakes that he thought he had on cold tires, or caught dirt or bump or whatever. Like I think it was definitely the bumps. I had a huge. I th- I think you're probably right, but like I said, when we were watching it, you could see that there was clearly dirt too. Like yeah. his, it went from tire smoke to brown dirt. Yeah, dust. So yeah. I don't know. It was weird, though. It was a weird, especially for Sebastian Bourdais, because he is not the type of driver that's going to make that mistake. Yeah, I think it's a combination of the bumps, the dirty track, and then they've uh, they've been struggling with the the braking on these cars uh, in general, the brake by wire systems. I was going to say it isn't by chance brake by wire, is it? Yeah, exactly. Something that every racing series that has ever implemented it has had issues with. Yeah. Yeah. So it's <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they definitely had some issues with that, but it was a weird incident. Like, what? I can't think of ever seeing that happen previously. Not that early on. No, I mean, like you, you'll you'll catch it middle of the race. Somebody just kind of caught in a daze. Yeah. You know, they make a mistake because they were out there for two hours or whatever. Yeah, like that type of stuff. Sure, but first lap of the race to yeah. just break yourself into a corner and a wall yeah. like that's. And I think throughout they weird. were twitchy in general, the GT For sure. But we said that at, um, did we say that after Daytona or after Sebring? Sebring? We might have said it both. Yeah. But, they, yeah, they, they just, because we were talking about the Ferraris well, that was in particular the WC for cars, WEC, they, they looked, looked really yeah. twitchy. Really, yeah. Way, way God, more. Could you imagine that car at Long Beach? No. Oh, my goodness. No, it would be all over the place. Yeah. It'd be a nightmare. <laughs> you know what it would look like is you remember when speaking of when we used to play fours all the time and somebody was lagging really badly and their car was like floating and <laughs> ripping over the track just that's just what it around. would be 
Yes. Slagging. Yeah. No, I would not. I wouldn't want to be driving it, but I sure as hell would want to watch it. They'd need three cars. Hopefully get one to the end of the race. Yeah. Yeah. No, that would be a mess. But yeah, the GTP cars definitely look twitchy. Um, under braking, out of the corner, just in general. But the cars, you know, the the cars that we said that looked stable but slow at uh, Sebring and Daytona ended up being the most successful at Long Beach. Sure. You know, it, like there was something to be said about Porsche looking slower but never unsettled. Yeah. And the Cadillacs often looked unsettled but fast as all get out. And look at what happened. You had Porsche and BMW lock out the top four spots. Yeah, which was great That's, to see. Yeah, yeah, it's cool to see. I mean, I'm I'm never going to complain about a double podium by any means for the team that I typically root yeah. for. And we got a lot more battling with uh, the IMSA cars. There was, yeah, a lot of banging, a lot of door banging, stuff like that. It's 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 amazing how they good have racing, man. Too. It really is. I mean, it, like it it does make you wonder. Like those guys, the the best in the world at proper endurance racing, the guys that are race currently racing in the GTP cars or the what what is WEC's top top class Hypercar. now. Hypercar, okay. I wanted to call it LMP1. I'm like, that's not right anymore. <laughs> that's that's um, so three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's half the problem with WEC, by the way. But anyway, um, it you know, like, could do you can you just take Lewis Hamilton out of F1, drop him in a WEC car, and can he do that? Yeah, yeah. Like Mando did. he's he's gonna be fat. That's true. He's going to be fast, but can he handle that much traffic, that much chaos all the time over that many hours? I mean, granted, you're switching drivers, so you, you're kind of yeah. regaining your your awareness, yeah. if you will. But I think he could. I think for the way I think he Fernando probably drove, could. I think he probably could, but it does make you question it, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's such a unique talent. Yeah. Well, in order to, especially at Long Beach, when you just have no room to work with. Right. And, like, you know... I mean, granted, some of the spaces, like, going to that one turn where we had the award and Dixon incident, that's pretty wide mm-hmm. there. And you yeah. saw them going for all well, sorts of stuff there. It's wide at entry. Yes. It is not Narrows. wide. On, it's not wide on the line that you need to get through the that's corner quickly. That's, yeah. that's what a lot of people don't understand about Long Beach is, like, in reality, you end up with most of the, cor- or most of the, the corners that you have there are one-car corners. Yeah. There is very, very few two-car corners that you can still get through quickly. Yeah, and when yeah, you and see when it, you it's, see like, it's like, and they make it through, and you're just, I don't know how they, I mean, I don't know how like, they did that, but they made it through. Yeah, it's like the fountain section. Oh, yeah, is, no is, there's no way you're ever going to get two cars no, through there. No, it doesn't work. I mean, you're probably not getting two bikes through there, to be honest <laughs> with you. I mean, it's like, it, it's so narrow through yeah, there. Yeah, that, on top of that, you have a lot of sections where it's, you know, the fountain's probably the best example where you have, you enter that, it's a left-hander, wall on the right, but then it comes back to the right, comes back to the left, and then you've got the fountain, and then another wall on the left. Mm-hmm. So you're clipping, like, four walls. Yes. And so it's like, oh, you think you can go down the inside? No, there's a wall there. No, there's on only the other one side? line. No, there's a wall there. Yeah. So it just doesn't work. You have to go no, there's single a, file. Yeah, mo- so much of that, that course, there's there's one line. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you something interesting. Okay. Enlighten me. What did you think of the LMP2s? Were they there? <laughs> <laughs> Were they? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No. No, they weren't. I'm pretty sure. Well, now I'm second guessing myself. I'm pretty sure they weren't. I don't remember seeing a highlight for them no. at all. Um, Isn't that interesting? 
it's it's odd that IMSA would decide to do that. I guess is a my. I think it's because I think traditionally, I'm trying to remember if is it too expensive just to to send them there for that short of race because it is a shorter race. Too. It is it's a shorter race, but I, it could be a limit in the paddock as well in terms of just space they have to have a bunch of cars. Pit pit lane's tiny. Pit lane as well. Um, but uh, I think it could be more of a. I'm trying to. Th- if you have the too many classes, like we already have prototypes and GTs, mixing mm-hmm. it up. Yeah. Imagine throwing another class in there. No, yeah, it wouldn't work. Yeah. I don't, I don't blame them for not doing but it. But isn't it interesting um, that you just don't even, like, I literally thought of that while we were talking about. It. I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Go on P2s. Yeah. No, I, I don't, I don't remember seeing anything. But then again, I don't often pay attention to them. Yet it is some of the better racing. It is good racing. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's a necessary category. I just think it's interesting that. I've gone this long and just didn't even realize that they were yeah. there. Well, and that's part of the problem is they're just stuck in this no man's land, essentially. Yeah. It's like, if that was the top class, we'd be just ooing and awing yeah, about how racing, great it is. Yeah. yeah. But it's not the top class. They stuck another class above that. And now you're just sitting there with this, like, random prototype that is just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's cool, but of, it's like, what's going for on? The fans, I think it's What are we doing filler, here? You know, you're just yeah. like, okay. Especially since they're all the same. I would be interested to see, a, like, an uh, I guess I have seen endurance, plenty of endurance racing live, but like at a smaller circuit like Long Beach, mm-hmm. is there's got to be no moments of blank space, like ever. Because even at Daytona, lap. even at Daytona, you get, you know, you'll get 10, 15 seconds of like, all right, there's literally not a car. Yeah. Same thing at Sebring. I can't imagine that's a thing at Long Beach, man. It's just got to be nonstop. Oh, another car, another car, another car, another car, another car. I just saw that car. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, it's pretty much that way at St. Pete, you know, unless there is like a pit stop cycle or obviously like a caution or something that bunches yeah. everybody yeah. up. But yeah, it's pretty much That's true. Much that's non-stop. true. It is like that. And that's just one class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But I do think, uh, I don't know if this is in my head or not, I do think that the GTP cars uh, and just sports cars in general always seem to have better racing than open wheel cars. And yeah. I don't know why that is, but with IndyCar, and I don't want to rant too much, but this is something that I think is interesting to address because people always say F1 is terrible racing. It's just like follow the leader. Honestly, every time I watch an IndyCar race, it's the same thing. It is, yeah. You have guys at the top, and you have guys that are getting lapped. And it's especially more noticeable, I think, in a series that uh, has spec cars like IndyCar. So you're like, okay, these guys are in the same car. Yet people will still get lapped. That's yeah, kind of crazy. One of the big differences, though, between IndyCar and Formula One is name the last race in IndyCar that you watched that didn't have a full course caution. Always. So at some point in the race, you are bunching everybody back yeah, up together. That's true. And the fuel stops do help. Mm-hmm. Like, people act like fuel stops, like, it's great now that Formula One is, they're all calculated and they end up with like a droplet of fuel at the end of the race and it's like okay that's cool i get that they remove the danger and and whatnot but fuel stops do increase like anytime you got to force a car to stop and then rejoin the race you're inherently going to remove them from running away Mm -hmm. because mistakes happen in those type of situations yeah and mistakes happen in the calculations of trying to determine how long you have to go what's the like we already have enough strategy with the tires where people are like, all right, is now the right time to go? Is this the right time to go? So if you end up in the same situation now with fuel. Did they do a fuel stop? When? For Long Beach? 
For IndyCar? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. Okay. I'm just I'm genuinely asking. I didn't pay. No, attention. yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure they did one at least. It's kind of interesting though. Like I mean, it's only like a. You'd think theoretically they could get to the end of the race without. I think the whole point is just running as light as you can. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I th- I felt like there was a a fuel stop at some point. Maybe not, mm. but but there's fuel stops at most of the Indy races. Yeah, no, if, I, if it wasn't no, they at Long Beach, did and them I. At Saint Pete. Yeah. So well, and if they're doing them at Saint Pete, they're yeah, doing them at Long exactly. Beach. Yeah. But I. Like, I'm not saying put fuel stops back in F1. I'm just saying that it does help create drama. Yeah. And not and not it's artificial an drama variable. either. Yeah, and, and I don't think it's artificial drama. I don't think it's something like, okay, we finished a stage. Let's group everybody back up together and st- and do a rolling yeah, start again. Like, no, there's none of that hot garbage, yeah. NASCAR. Um, <laughs> they do that? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, you can win stages. Of races now on an oval. Why? Because you can win a stage at an oval. I realize that makes it less interesting. I don't think they've thought of that. But it does. That makes it less interesting, right? This goes back to our whole sprint race debacle. I don't know. So I don't know how to go about this without sounding arrogant and demeaning towards NASCAR and NASCAR fans. So I'm going to tread very lightly and, and, and hope that our audience understands that I don't intend to be demeaning. I think there are a lot of NASCAR fans that just want action and don't care that's, about racing. That's fair. So I think what you end up with is when you, when you bunch everybody up together multiple times a race, what happens? Action. Action. Yeah. What doesn't actually happen by doing that proper racing and racing over a long period of time that is going to reward somebody that's had good strategy what they've essentially done is just created several small sprint races but yet yeah. somehow someone wins the overall race that is wonky it is it is it's it's weird it, it's it's a very odd setup um i don't they i think to, they, st- they no, so wait, they I, do yeah. that at Le- wait hold on they do that in some endurance race where you get points if you're lead i think they do that at Le Mans. They may, but it's but they don't re like no 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 they don't restart it but they do this weird like if you're this leading is, at this time you this get is a full point. on like a like there's a cooldown lap type of thing and then they bunch everybody back up together that's I've seen that's it before it's weird and, and the um, and the thing is so I've actually asked I my one cousin is a uh, an engineer huge racing fan follows endurance racing and then follows NASCAR like no other like mm. very deep into NASCAR used to work on some of the cars actually. Um, and I asked him about it because he's a traditionalist. Typically, yeah. I said, "What do you guys think? Of, like, how do you like the staging?" He's like, "I love it. I think it." it he kept saying, "It's just at the end of the day, what it does is it creates some good drama for a race that over the 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 time period that you're sitting there asking cars to drive when you're telling them to drive 200 laps around a two and a half mile oval, even the most dedicated NASCAR fans are going." Can can something happen? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you know, like you can only get so drunk to avoid I, watching I, I something. I think that kind of goes back so, to what we were talking about when we tried to watch the the race at Texas with IndyCar. Oh yeah, felt the same yeah. way. It's like I tried to get into it, but it yeah. was boring. Yeah, it just was. You know. Yeah, and and so I like I I get I get it. I I understand why they did it. I just I think it's dumb. But yeah, 
It, oh, man. You know, it's weird because I think as a racing fan, you can really, if you start asking the right questions, you can start to really question if you're a racing fan or if you're an action fan. Yes. And it's, I'm not really sure what the difference is between the two. You know, it's like, it's like I've got a pretty, I got a pretty quick and maybe it's rash and not very well thought out okay. answer for it. But if you're an action fan, you're excited for the accidents, for the cautions, for the restarts. Yeah. If you're a racing fan, you're excited on moves. Yeah. All of a sudden, you see somebody make a quick dive or an over-under or something like that, and you're like, wow, that that was something special. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, to put yourself in that position or to make that – like, the little thing that you, you – those of you that would have watched the Indy race would have noticed. When Elio went off on the opening lap, the move that he made to get only the nose cone into the wall, unbelievable. The fact that that car was able to then continue the race. Granted, he stayed a lap down because it's Long Beach. He can't find a way to make it up, yeah. and he nearly got it back to the lead lap. But he was able to – he made a mistake, put the car in the wall, but put the car in the wall the correct way by driving a car that's going into a wall. If you're appreciating that, you're a racing fan. Okay. If you're sitting back looking for carnage and waiting for the restart, you're an accident fan, an action fan. I think that makes sense. I think that makes sense. And also, when I'm at a race live, I do not care about anything in terms of action because you're there at the race just wondering what – you're wondering, like, what's going on, for example. And I think that's why people didn't used to care about that as much. I think TV has sort of ruined – the uh, the average person's view on motorsports mm-hmm. because they're looking, they're like, hey, I'm on TV. You know, there's other things competing for my attention right now. Why should I watch this instead of something else? You know, you could watch hockey, which there's way more stuff that's going to happen in a certain time period than motorsport. Versus when you're there, you're not doing anything else. You're just there. And you're just like, oh, Porsche's still in the lead. Oh, by a couple laps. Wow, they're really dominating. You know, yeah. you don't care if they're up by two laps, yeah. you know? To be fair, though, you're not really watching the moves when you're there either. No, you're not. You, you occasionally you're, see you're, it. You're bringing in the experience while you're yeah. there. And you're just wondering how it's going. You're seeing it unfold in front of you. And you're just sort of wondering who's going to take it in the end. Yeah. You know, and you don't really care if something happens. And if anything, it's exciting even when something happens across the track. You know, like when I'm there and I'm like texting you guys, like, oh, what happened? I heard something and or yeah. so-and-so just passed me with half the bodywork falling off the car. Yeah. You know, and yep. it's still, I don't really care that I didn't get to see it. I just, I'm wondering how it changes the dynamic of the entire race. Right. You know, and I think that's how it used to be. You know, imagine being at Le Mans in the 1960s and just listening to the radio to see how it was going in terms of the battle yeah. between Ford versus Ferrari. Right, you know, you're you're like in it. Versus now, imagine you watch that same battle on TV. We'd come away and be like, "Well, it wasn't too much battling, but uh, I guess Ford, you know, they got their first win." Like, you know, whereas the people that were there were probably like, "Oh, wow, it was just epic to see them battle on track." Yeah, 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 nonstop. Yeah. So I think that TV definitely has a lot to do with it, but yeah, it's it's definitely helped create drama in a good way. It's also helped make things more bland in a bad way. Because it, it, you need more to happen in order for it to look cool. Yes. It's like an air show. If you go to an air show, it's way more interesting than if you look at videos of air shows. 
A video of an air show is just a plane in the sky. Yes, 100%. Well, it's like, it's the old phrase with houses, right? One of my favorite phrases. I find it hilarious. Curb appeal. Okay. Have you ever thought, you know what? God, that house, man. That's so much curb appeal. I can't wait to buy that house. No. Or do you immediately go, the hell's going on inside? Yeah. Right? Like, you you need more than <laughs> the face value. Thing. Like, curb appeal is literally judging a book by its yeah, cover. That's true. So you get you get the same thing in racing, essentially. It's like, what's an accident? It's the curb appeal. It's like, oh, an accident. And then what? It didn't have any effect on the race because it happened to the two dudes in dead last. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's so true. And then that's the stuff that always compiles the highlight reels on TV, too. Oh, of course it is. Well, and, and NASCAR's nailed that portion oh, of it, man, because you, when all of a sudden you got 10 cars all going different directions, like you have no There's idea what's going on. in the air, going to yeah. the wall. Like a polar bear could be coming across the track, and you'd just be like, hey, that's normal. What else would happen? <laughs> like, you could just start throwing Santa's over there. What's going on, Santa? Like, it doesn't matter because NASCAR's just chaos, and that's what makes it exciting, right? Fire. Let's get fire involved. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, it's so true. And I think, so, you know what? Honestly, it makes sense in NASCAR then to have that kind of format. It does. I, I think, like, when I, I I get it if I'm an action fan, if I'm a NASCAR action I'm fan. I'm still a right? traditionalist, though. I feel like if that's how the race started, it should always be that way forever. And, and again, this is going to sound demeaning, but this is not intended to be that way because the racing is different. But, like, racing the way that most people would understand racing are not NASCAR fans aren't racing fans. They're NASCAR fans. Yeah. Most NASCAR fans are not also watching IndyCar, Formula One, IMSA, uh, British Touring Cars, Australian V8 Supercars, right? Name one person that watches Le Mans every year that doesn't also watch like six other series Yeah, that you've met. That's true. Like, the, the, there's a difference between racing fans, if you will. Racing being the quotation here. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of overlap. I think a sports car racing fan watches everything, like you said. Like, think about... Yes. Think about the... What What would be the other series that you could... Because I got one in my mind. What would be the other series you think NASCAR fans would generally watch? V8 Supercars. No? NHRA. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What about that is racing? <laughs> I get that it's timed. There's a lot of engineering that goes into it. There incredible beasts like i get that it's right but what roll, is it ultimately roll the dice really what is it ultimately Just action action explosions yep. yeah and go ahead and tell me that most nascar fans their second series probably isn't nhra i i think you're right about that yeah you still got to go to one of those races i do yeah just once you go once so and you never have to I've, go again i've seen i haven't seen top fuel that's what that's, you gotta i see. think that's all i haven't yes. seen because i've seen funny cars i've seen jet cars i've seen like all the yeah, you know yeah. big big time Fast ass. I mean, we're talking five yeah, seconds. Yeah. yeah, not not seen top. Yeah, it's sort of like saying you've gone to an air show, but you've never seen a jet demo. <laughs> or you've that never, Cessna you've never, was incredible. Yeah, you've never seen the Blue Angels or the Thunderbirds. You're like, you're kind of missing the main draw. Yeah, but yeah, no, I yeah. I can't wait to see your reaction to a top fuel pass. The problem is that Gator Nationals is always the same weekend as Sebring. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it so much. It makes sense because there's no crossover. Except me. <laughs> I would go yeah. every year if it was yeah. like a date that didn't conflict with something. Cause that, and, there's no, and there's nothing else down here. I mean, they don't go to 
No, top fuel wise, they used to do testing. I think at Palm Beach, it was like a oh, winter really? test okay. kind of thing. Uh, but I don't know if they do that anymore. I would not be shocked if, because from what I understand, the tarmac is incredible at Bradenton. Oh, really? Motorsports Park, like really, really good quality tarmac. Everybody I've talked to that does drag racing, like our mechanic at work, does a, a bunch of. Um, he's got a two rotor Starling. Starlet. 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 The, the Mitsubishi. I think so. Yeah, and he runs like sixes. Or he might run five. He might run in the fives. That's that's pretty fast. Six, six he, like it's stupid yeah. fast, right? And he's like that is by far the best track like we go up to english town it's good he's like bradenton is just they've got it dialed in if they get the stands out of which who knows and and the problem is they might be too close to developments yeah they've already had some problems but ultimately what you want i would imagine although it's florida you're gonna know more than me but i would imagine the primary thing is get the good tarmac you got a good tarmac then you can roll with with top fuel i wouldn't be too surprised if they eventually test it there i'm not saying hold a big event yeah. they don't have the grandstands for That'd that be pretty awesome yeah because honestly yeah, would. the main draw for like i've never been to an nhra event and been like oh who's gonna win this i'm like i just want to see the cars well we used to go to like tractor poles up in michigan yeah, all the, the same time thing. and that yeah, yeah that was an experience yeah we used to hear the tractor poles from our house yeah. And we're like a mile, mile and a half away. Oh, yeah, for sure. Something like that. Yeah, you just, uh, I was like, oh, windows are shaking. <laughs> Must be doing the tractor balls yeah. now. Uh, yeah. God, it's just... God, that's so Midwestern. <laughs> it's so <laughs> Midwestern, man. <laughs> I would love to take a European to like an NHRA event or to like a tractor Dude, pull. So my childhood. There was a bunch of, of Europeans at Sebring, by the way. And yeah. I could not, I think I mentioned this last time. I just imagine, I'm like, what if this is their only experience of America? Oh, they come yeah, to America, they stay at Sebring, yes. Central Florida, and then they go to you know the track Sebring, and they're just like, so this is this is America. <laughs> yeah. Well, not to mention that Sebring has this amazing aura around it, and then it's just Sebring, Sebring, Florida. Yeah. Is just BFE, man. Like, <laughs> That's it's what just, I'm saying. It's like yeah, it's just a trashy. <laughs> But like my my childhood of racing, so I have no idea how the how the heck I got into supercars and and sports cars and prototypes, whatever. I used to watch the tractor pulls. We used to go to a dirt track ovals, eighth ovals, dirt track, and we'd watch the sprint cars, outlaw sprinters. And every once in a while, they would do like the figure eight chain link buses and stuff like that. That was like, dude, full midwestern like. Might as well be redneck type of stuff. Yeah. That's my childhood of racing, and watched a lot. Oh, and we would go up to MIS, Michigan International okay, Speedway, okay. watch. So Indy would race up nice. there and stuff like that. Went and saw a couple of those races, but like, that's it. An oval <laughs> and a bunch of dirt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, dirt racing is something else, man. Dude, it is. Like, it is. Outlaw sprinters are awesome. Yeah. Awesome to see live. Yeah. If you haven't actually gone and see them, because you got that guy's gonna hit the wall. He's gonna wash up. Hit the wall. How is he? He's got grip now. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> where did they come from? Those guys are nuts too, man. Especially back in the day, that stuff oh, yeah. was sketch. Yeah, they're, they're not exactly low powered. No, they're not exactly high grip, no. and they're not lacking in testicles. No. <laughs> their their fortitude is quite yeah, high. What's crazy is like, because um, I used to go through a bunch of old pictures of that kind of stuff. Like yeah. in particular, old sprint car stuff. Yeah, 
Mario Andretti won freaking everything. Yeah. Everything he was in, he was winning. He was in the top three every time. Him, AJ Foyt, all those names that like you recognize now. Yep. They just dominated the sport. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Those cars are ridiculous too. The wing, like the just the the ridiculous yeah. wing. Oh, this the roof, back. roof wing, whatever yeah. the hell you want to call that. The old thing. ones are crazier. They just have. Yeah. No, it's literally like a little egg. Yeah. With a V8 engine. Yes. And they're just yep. like, yeah. And skinny tires, yeah, too. Yeah. Like, now they've got these big old chunky, yeah. like, 345s on the back that they, they roll around. They're still slicks for some reason. Are they? Yeah. It's weird. I don't understand that kind of racing at all. <sighs> I don't know. Maybe they've changed, too. It's, I mean, I'm talking, this is probably 20, 20 there, to 25 years ago. too. Yeah, there are. Yeah, but I mean, it's like, it's weird, man. It's a, it's a that is a different world. That is a very different world. Yeah, it is. It's, I mean, it's just like drag racing. There's all sorts of different types. Oh, for sure. Like pro mods are chef's kiss too. Yeah, they're just awesome. Yeah, I remember the first time I went to because I had I had never gone to drag racing before I had met you, and we went to drag racing. Oh, okay. I can't wait to see the funny cars. I'm like, like. Clown cars? Like, what are we doing here? Like, what is this name? And Funny Cars is just a generic name that they picked out of nowhere. Why? There's there's some really awesome old drag racing photos as well. There was what what was the car show we went to um, down here? Yeah, where they they had one of the nitro methane cars, right? Yeah, one of the old ones. And they started that up. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That's wild, man. Yeah. And the just the idea of running the thing on nitro methane. It's just awesome. And just because, because yeah. that's the only reason. It's just so cool too when you hear them start up because they'll they'll spray some gas, uh, just normal gas down the uh, intake. Yeah. And you'll hear it fire up and it'll run real smooth, and then it'll transition over to the nitromethane, and it just turns into this cackling idol. Yeah. You're just like oh oh that's something something spicy. Yeah, we're running something different here. Yeah, all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, so awesome. If you've never been to an NHRA event, you should go once. Just experience top fuel. I say, I say that all the time. I know we just spent a good portion of the episode not bashing, but at least not being kind to NASCAR. Yeah. Uh, definitely go experience a NASCAR yeah. event. Get right on the fence and experience a NASCAR event. That is a different thing. Yeah, I, and also you just become a more well-rounded person when you experience that stuff. Oh, 100%. And you go like, okay, I can see the appeal here. Not my thing, but I know yeah, what it's but like. I get, but I get it. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I, and that's like... It, anybody that says, "Oh, I've been to the twenty-four, like the Rolex twenty-four hour Daytona, and it's the same thing with them running up the wall." No, it's not. No. I've been to both. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it isn't. There is nothing like like the pickup trucks. Fine, yeah, it's pretty much NASCAR. Yeah. But the like, you gotta get thirty-five cars with just screaming V8s yeah. doing two hundred. Yeah, a foot from yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> You've never had something go by you so fast, so close. <laughs> yeah, even that. Uh, because you can get, in the, you know, you're in the same stands for the um, IMSA race at Daytona. Mm-hmm. And you can get reasonably close, right? But yeah, it's just like they're only doing 180-ish, you know, depending on the spec of the car and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, something doing 200, that's also way bigger. Flying yeah, punching by a giant hole yeah. and 40 of them within half a second yeah, of each that's other. that's just completely different. Yeah. Completely. But uh, what uh, what were we talking about? I don't know. 
I don't know. I feel like we were supposed to talk about IMSA and then weren't talking oh, oh, about we, IMSA. Oh, we, we still got to talk a major thing about the Long Beach race, which was uh, the Porsche Acura battle at the end. Oh, yeah. Which is great to see. It's awesome to see a good battle. It is. I, I don't. I don't know what happened with Ricky Taylor, man. Yeah, that was that was a like that's all I got on that one. Yeah. So, Ricky Taylor and Jaminet for Porsche were racing very closely. Good battle came down to what two laps remaining. Yeah, two laps. And and Taylor goes to make a move at is that turn, yeah, turn one. one. Yeah. yeah, so goes to make a move at turn one and just pretty much outbreaks himself. Yeah, sends it straight into the wall. And he sent it and from a good way back. He did. He did. And it was a late. What I noticed about it, and it's something we were talking about, is it was a late exit out of the draft. And I don't know how much that affected his braking or his perception of speed or whatever. Like, yeah. I, I, I get a feeling that that was a big part of it. Like, it was a really late exit from the draft. It could have just been a combination of everything. You know, you got that that mentality. Wait a minute. You're saying that things happen are not. They they like they have to be multi-factor. I, I'm saying there they is could a possibility not. that there could be nuance <laughs> applied to the situation. <laughs> it's an it's a difficult concept, I'll admit. But uh, yeah. So I think it was. I'm not following. <laughs> most people don't apparently. But uh, <laughs> obviously, one factor was he got offline, got into the dirty track. Well, that's the only factor then. <laughs> you said there's a single factor analysis. Come on. Dirty track, uh, and we saw what happened on lap one when yeah. somebody went offline, yep. uh, got on the bumps on the dirty track with the brake-by-wire, last lap, going for the lunge. It wasn't the brake-by-wire, though. We know that part of it. Was. <laughs> Definitely not. And then I think also the draft, he was going a little bit faster than maybe he anticipated. And so you factor all that in, and I think. But yeah. Crucially, I just don't think he needed to make the move right there, right then. No, 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 he did not with two laps left, not with as close as he was, and and not with as as experienced of a driver as he is. He's not the type of driver like I, I you and I had talked a little bit before the podcast. I feel like he is because he's often compared to his brother Jordan. Yeah. I feel like he's far less aggressive than Jordan. You were saying the opposite. Yeah. Um, either way, we both agree that neither one of them are aggressive drivers. They're both pretty passive drivers. They're generally putting the car in the right place. It's like the old adage for any other sport, oh, it's the coach's son, always doing the right thing, right? Their dad's a team principal. Mm -hmm. Like, they're doing the right thing all the time. They're always putting the car in the right place. Tons of experience. In IMSA, no less. It's not not just like, oh, he's got a lot of racing experience. He's got a ton of IMSA experience at the top level. Mm -hmm. Weird mistake for him to make. Just weird. Yeah, I, I. The only thing I can think of is that he was worried that he was going to get backed up and to the point where the BMW could have started fighting with him. That's the only thing I could think is that's like he's got to make that move now, otherwise the BMW is going to catch up. I mean, I gotta imagine. So he, if if we say he was two tenths of a second behind the Porsche going into that corner, whatever. I mean, it's you tell me. But if if he was approximately that, the BMW was would have been. He was a ways back. One to one point two. I mean, like, yeah, it's not like he was getting chased properly. There's a chance. Don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. but but even so, so, it wasn't wasn't worth the risk. Certainly not putting it in the wall. No, you know, and I mean, yeah, it sucks. It's easy to look at now, though, as like, ah, you shouldn't have done that. You know, but but yeah. even in the moment, it totally shocked me. I did not think he was going to go. I like that, that way of looking at it, though. I like the ah, shouldn't. Have done that. Yeah. 
If all of a sudden he just comes on the radio, I shouldn't have done that, guys. <laughs> that would have been amazing. I wouldn't have been mad at him at all. <laughs> I wouldn't either, actually. That would be amazing. Yeah. Just really calm, just like, oh, yep, yep, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> that That is a Kimmy message right there. That is Kimmy Raikkonen just yeah. to a T. <sighs> no, I guess he, he'd have been more profane with yeah. it. Yeah, you know, but still really calm, in a calm way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the delivery would have been just ice, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. You could tell he was pretty distraught. Uh, he was, yeah, banging on the steering wheel, grabbing his helmet. Yeah, it was. He knew it was his mistake that he made. Yeah, but <laughs> there was no. You know what it does mean? It's Porsche got their first win. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it was Porsche, BMW, Porsche. Yeah, which was cool to see. BMW, <laughs> top four. Yeah, yeah. which means uh, I think they've had a different winner at each IMSA race. Yeah. What? Cadillac won Daytona? No, uh, uh, Acura. Acura well, won Daytona, and then Cadillac Acura, won... Uh, tech, yeah. Acura-lac? Ac- no, remember the whole tire gate thing? No. They, they had the uh, the tire pressure issue. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. But uh, I think the Acura was also... The other Acura, the Taylor car, was behind them. So it would have been another Acura when it yeah. got it taken away. But, yeah, it was Acura... Caddy, but it was only caddy because of the huge pileup. Right. And then Porsche now. So so I guess BMW's up next. So, uh, yeah, yeah, BMW would be up next. Do you think they can pull it off? No. <laughs> no, because, like, I, fine, I, I don't have a problem with BMW, but. They've had an it, amazing season so far considering their pace. Yes, exactly. They, they are. Equally as reliable as Porsche, but slower than Porsche. So what you need is for Acura and Cadillac to crash themselves out because they're by far the fastest teams. Yeah. Or just something happens that, that means that they can't they can't get involved anymore. And then you still have to be faster than someone you're slower than. So, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. When. I mean, that's... That, that, it's like watching F1 through the first three races. You go, all right, Red Bull won one, Mercedes won one. Oh, look, Aston Martin won and won one. You think Williams has a chance? No. No, I don't think Williams has a chance. Like, Maybe that's a little bit low, but maybe the the sentiment's still there. Yeah. It's like you, there's a lot that's got to happen before well, I they're mean, involved. I think that's why I say I don't think it's any secret that they're not top dog in IMSA right now. Which right. is why I say they've had a miraculous <laughs> season thus far. They really have, yeah. I mean, they they've accumulated a lot of points by doing not very. They were much. there. Yeah, they finished. They they <laughs> took the old adage: in order to finish first, first you must exactly. finish. A little too seriously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's good to see though. It's good to see that all the manufacturers you, are are getting a little bit of bit of the action. Yeah, a hundred percent. And but my my only thing with somebody like BMW, right? Like, do you not sit back and think, could they not? push a little bit more like they're so reliable right now they haven't had any issues is there any reason why they aren't pushing a little bit harder moving a little bit faster and sacrificing a little bit more reliability or is it just they're at their limit and then somehow their limit's very reliable like i i find that hard to believe i don't know you know i have thought about that in terms of like what makes up a successful racing program yeah, like there's a lot to it, and well, if we had that answer, we would not be doing no. this podcast. <laughs> hey, we'll sponsor a team one day, okay? You know, we'll see okay. what happens. All right, uh, that would be pretty cool, actually. We're just gonna tell everybody, send it. Just, just paddle award everything. 
The car would have to have the most aesthetic livery possible. Can we go like really 80s with it? Because as long as it 80s, looks good, late 80s, early yeah. 90s liveries, man. If, I'll tell you right now. If I ever sponsor a race car, it priority would be how good that livery looks in photos. It is something that has always been a pet peeve of mine. I will, if I'm just covering a, yeah. an event in general, I will not take pictures of cars that I think have an ugly livery. That is one thing where the, the GTP cars are lacking. Like, we we were complimenting the Porsche just based off the shape, but the simple. livery is pretty, yeah, yeah it's pretty crap. Yeah. Cadillacs aren't I great. was really disappointed with the Cadillacs. The Acura's okay. Okay. Yeah, they're okay. The livery, the BMW, the BMW good. Li- I think it's good. Color-wise. Well, because it's M colors. Yeah, what, like, those are good colors. <laughs> yeah, they're good colors. They're horribly executed. I, that I agree. With. Although it does, it is kind of cool that you can't make out the M on the the rear fin unless you're like looking at it square on. Like in a panning shot, you can see the M, but like if you were up close to the car, it looks kind of wonky. So okay. I kind of like that feature. But for me, I would say it's probably more colors that are important than the overall design, and just. One thing I've just never liked is primary colors. Like, when you think of blue, like the quintessential blue is blue, that color, two thumbs down. It has to be... Like a pastel almost. It has to have something going on. It can't just be the blue. Yeah, I get what you're saying, because... Like, that's what the caddies are. I think one of the best examples of a very, very just simple livery, but nailed it, is the uh, Leighton House cars that we used to go yeah, see? Yeah, the at, baby uh, blue. They were almost like a green. They were like that aqua yeah, green, but it's like yeah. it's like a bluish green kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah, but with a bright orange accent. Yes, just just neon orange. Yeah. And you're like, I love this. I don't know what I don't know what got <laughs> through your guys' head to to do this, but this looks amazing. Total, totally agree. And that that's that would be my priority. And that is such a simple livery too. Mm-hmm. All it is is color, man. Yeah. Look at the I I the AO racing car with the green, with the T Rex mouth. Yes. Yeah. 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 The, the great. green is a good green. Yep. Yep. And it works. You know. Yep. Whereas like, or I do like the. But but that car is made by the mouth. Yes. Hundred percent. It's the main thing. Yeah. But then also the Volt car, I like the colors on that. Mm-hmm. Um, the car. Here's a car I don't like, is the Lexus. I can't think of it it's offhand. Like black and neon green, but there's something well, like about how, how it how long that just the, doesn't quite do it for me. When was the last time Lamborghini had a good livery? Never, which is such a disappointment. Blows, blows my mind because when was the last time Lamborghini had a bad color on their road car? Oh, they they always look awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's really annoying. How is it that Lamborghini gets into racing and immediately loses the fashion? Uh, all the, yeah, competition? all the Lamborghinis like, and all the Audis like, always have weird liveries. Yeah. They just don't work for some reason. Yep. Yeah, I, I really hope that the... But if one car company, outside of maybe Pagani, right? enters racing and should win the fashion competition of racing, it should be Lamborghini. And, and they never do. Like, not even close. I, I'm really hoping, I mean, at least, you know, most of the stuff now is, like, um, customer-based, so I guess they choose livery, whatever. But they gotta, they're going to have a GTP car next year. I really hope Lamborghini goes all out with the livery on those GTP cars. It just makes sense, doesn't Dude, it? Dude, I I tell you what, if they, I'm gonna have a hard time rooting for Porsche with Lamborghini and GTP. Really? Not for any reason other than why the hell not? Why why do you not want Lamborghini to succeed yeah. in that? Like, 
I'm a Porsche fan. But what do you? What do you come mean? on, Lam- like Lamborghini? I'll tell you what. If they enter with yeah. uh, a V8 engine, I will be meh. If they enter that car with a V10, V12 or V10 engine, yep. they are my favorite team. Yep, hundred percent. Fair. Not even close. <laughs> Especially since what do you what do you think their cigarette budget is? <laughs> <laughs> Not as big as Ferrari's strategy team. <laughs> um, Do you think it's larger than Total Wolf's desk budget? <laughs> no, nothing's that big. <laughs> well, his fist is. <laughs> but no, I, I'm telling you right now, if they enter that prototype with a V12 engine from, because yeah. the I think the, even the new Lamborghini. Uh, Halo car still has a V12. Okay. So technically, within the regulations, it could be done. It can be done. I'm, dude, I'm all for it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not. I mean, <coughs> this uh, this Turbo V8 era is driving me nuts. Let me tell you. Let me point. tell you this. Or Turbo anything yeah. era. Does Lamborghini even care if they win? They shouldn't. Right. Just make the coolest car you possibly can. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. It would be instantly the, iconic if it had a V twelve. It's the exact same thing that Peugeot should be doing. Peugeot is French Lamborghini, and I are, I love the Peugeot. They haven't been competing very well. I love no. that car. Yeah, and I love awesome. the team for en- for even building that car and racing yes. it. Yep. And it, guess what? It's gonna go down as iconic. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. It's a marketing thing. Yeah. And it, dude. Uh, I just. I don't want to disappoint myself when they enter what? with a V8, but. So, okay. Manufacturer that doesn't, I know there's a tangent, but manufacturer that doesn't I, I literally currently list race under topics for the podcast in the description. Yeah. I list what we talk about, and then at the end I put various tangents okay. within the topics. So we're well, good to that's go. fair. Yeah. Okay. So, manufacturer that doesn't currently race that you wish would enter racing, just for the sake of seeing them have a proper race car, because immediately I think of Pagani, Alfa Romeo. That's my pick. Yeah, but they're in Formula One. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, they've made some awesome prototypes in the past. They have, like yeah. Like flat 12 stuff, like the Ferraris yeah. and V12 That's a good one. Stuff. That's a good one. Yeah. So, so we both went Italian, though. Oh, yeah. What we're craving is some, some Italian spice. creativity. Yeah. And we haven't had Italian creativity in a very long well, especially time. especially the new Ferrari. The new Ferrari, I think. Uh, the GT car. Is I'm talking about in IMSA, yeah, two nine six, which I think is actually a really cool road car, and mm-hmm. looks really nice. Um, I haven't seen one on the road yet, uh, which I know that sounds kind of like, oh well, of course you haven't. Where we live, yeah, we see that stuff all the time. Yeah, the weather's actually nice here. Yeah, um, and, and <laughs> it's true. T- you t- take that, listeners. It's true. <laughs> take that. <laughs> um, we see them all year round, but uh. Yeah. The 296 in IMSA is, um, I don't know. It's just, I literally, you can barely tell the difference between that car and the outgoing 458. Mm-hmm. Well, but you, could, you couldn't tell the difference between the 488 and the 458 either. That's true. It's really disappointing, though. Because it is exactly the same. It's just disappointing. Yeah. Like, you'd think Ferrari would come in with this heavy hitter and this oh, huge wouldn't program. It, wouldn't it have been cool, though, if Ferrari really fully embraced the 599 and went, let's make yes. that our GT car? Yes. I love that car. Or even what was it the eight twelve super fast? Yeah. The, the one with the the ovaries. Yeah. 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 
the rear, uh, rear design of that car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the uh, but, TD. Yeah. No, yeah, that was yeah, on the standard car too, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. That would have been cool though. Like yeah. let's let's like go old, let's go like different. Like the old 550 and 575 GT1 yes. car. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. 100%. Exactly. Oh, I love the 575. I have such a soft spot for that thing. Then again, I have a really big soft spot for that era. Of I was about to say that. That era of cars in general. 355, man. I wonder what 355s are going for right now. Way more than we can afford. You think you think they've spiked? Yeah. They, I feel like they're in the rock bottom range right now. No, really? no, I think I think but I gotta imagine this rock bottom. Yeah, I think Man. I think the three sixties now the rock bottom range. That, you know, that would be my guess. I can see that? That means <laughs> which is not bad. That means all the V ten Lambos are rock bottom right now. All the all oh, the five dude, like million the, of them that they made. The baby bowls, all the Gallardos yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, they're tiny or they're uh, they're pretty cheap. I've seen those under a hundred. Wow. relatively recently. Wow. I'm not sure I'd want to touch one. No, but. no, I wouldn't either. Although you'd probably find a lot of stick shift ones in that era. Maybe. Because I think that was when the paddles still kind of sucked. And so I feel like oh, a lot of yeah. people got the stick shift, whereas now yeah. everybody just gets the paddles anyway. So. Yeah. No, everybody's wrong. Yeah, 100%. But, yeah, I think it would be Alfa Romeo for the team that okay. I would choose to, like, enter GTP, you know? Yeah. But right now the problem is they don't have any good engines. Couldn't you imagine a Huayra GTP, though? You know, a, Hwa- a Pagani GTP car would be less interesting than their road cars. <laughs> it might be. It might be. <laughs> you look and go, oh, I'm slightly so, underwhelmed so, by that. So then so then what you're saying is I should have picked like Skoda. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be the most exciting thing Skoda's ever built. <laughs> they can only go up. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> no, but uh I mean I mean just look at the Like I was I was thinking of like okay, Koenigsegg would be interesting. Like I can't even I, I don't, imagine what that would look like. It would I literally you know what it looked like? Exactly the same as all the road cars. It would look like a CCX. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it would. And it would be so ridiculously good at everything that it did, but somehow not win. Yes, it would be a marvel of engineering. Yes. And the specs would be better than every other car, but they probably would not win, like you said. Yeah. It'd be Porsche yeah. winning. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, you know, that goes back to what we were talking about a few seconds ago about like what makes up a successful race team. Mm-hmm. You know, like you could have the best car. And I, I say this also because in spec series, everybody's got the same car. So technically, everybody has the best car. And yet, there's a team that gets lapped, and there's a team that wins the race and just dominates. Yep. And so, like, what There's the big heck? names in IndyCar for a yeah, reason. It's like, what are they doing different that the other guys are not doing? And the same thing in uh, IMSA. You know, you have, like, Faf with the Porsche. Yep. Like, those guys just kill it and it's like what are they doing different well we were talking about jost getting a a car right yeah it's not they're gonna win well they didn't with mazda which was really disappointing let's think about that sentence for a moment but it's still surprising that a team like that or the guys running it you know what part of that mazda ever had a chance at winning well nothing but okay so is that is that the thing so it's like they won a lot yeah with audi yes I don't think that it's just Audi. I think that Jost got a good car yeah. from Audi, and they were good, and were able to succeed then with the okay. car. I think they got such a crap platform from Mazda. Yeah. There was no hope. That could be true. It's most likely true. It I mean, was true. The only thing about Mazda's motorsport history is Spec Miata and the seven eight seven, and then and, and the RX seven GT cars that raced in IMSA. What did they do? They raced. 
Exactly. I don't actually know how successful those cars were. I don't. I don't know the history of it. Yeah, I can't imagine it was. I. But they raced some prototypes in the IMSA category too. But one Lamar win and a whole bunch of spec Miata racing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mazda is not a motorsport company. Which is really disappointing because they absolutely should be, with the Miata and everything else. I say everything else, <laughs> and after I said that, I realized there was nothing else that they had. Yeah. Because yeah, they don't have I mean, an RX platform anymore. No, they don't. Well, they're, what they're doing is they're giving it enough time to to die out for people to forget about it, so that way when they bring it back, it's iconic. It's like, oh, it's back. It's like what they did with the Super, right? They didn't develop the Super for a while, and then they're like, oh, we got the Super back. Yeah, except they didn't really bring it back. They just they just well, a, a, a it's a fan, BMW Super yeah, now. Yeah, a fancy so. suit on a BMW. Yeah. yeah. So. To be fair, they are very good looking though when I see oh, them great. on the road. They're great. I, I think, yeah. they're just, it's a fraud. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's agreed. a joke there, but I'm going to leave it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, so that's uh, the IMSA race. We've gone off yep. plenty of tangents now. If there's no. anybody left in suspense wondering what the WEC race is like or was like, I'll tell you. Uh, not that much happened, actually. I was actually fairly disappointed. <laughs> you were so excited for this one, too. <laughs> well, I was excited because I think it's really interesting. I was pumped for Portimao. And uh, yeah, I'm pumped yeah, to get I'm back into the back WEC with the new cars and everything. Everything. Um, um, the everything. Spoiler alert is Toyota won again. They are the new Audi, and they are proofing it. And so people like myself who said the past years they haven't had any competition, can't say that anymore. They're kind of just killing it. So good for them. Uh, Ferrari did well, uh, but we did have a couple spectacular brake failures, including the Ferrari. Whose brake disc? <laughs> it was. I don't remember which. It was one of the front brake discs. Brake discs literally exploded. When you when you say spectacular failure, and then you, if you were to ask me which manufacturer had it, Ferrari's the first <laughs> one that comes to mind. Well, theirs was not the most spectacular. Oh, which, which so they're. But you also used a qualifier of most. Yeah. Meaning that there was, it was still spectacular. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's coming into the corner. There's a huge plume of black smoke. Pouring out of the, I want to say it was the front left uh, wheel, like huge plume, just like that's not good. Um, doesn't make the corner, and the crazy part—I would imagine not. Yeah, the crazy part is because he still has the other brakes. He still kept going, um, and then there were a couple corners where he like was like, "Oh yeah, I've to totally lost braking performance," but they kept going, man. I was like. Damn. Okay. Bold. <laughs> yeah. Bold. They're on the radio, like, "Hey, can you do this?" He's like, "Man, I I would be on the thing back. Like, I just lost the front brake disc. Okay. Like, you guys can chill. But I guess the alternative at at, at minimum probably thirty percent of his braking. Yeah. But I guess the alternative is they swap the discs out uh, in the pits. But that's gonna take. They're probably like calculating that. You know, it's better for you to stay out actually with three discs uh, instead of coming in and replacing it. Which. <laughs> It's got to be, be the worst the scenario, scenario possible for a driver, driver ever. Yeah. Um, like, oh, yeah, just stay out with uh, three three brakes. Well, I would imagine <clears throat> it's not because uh, there's got to be listeners right now that are thinking, okay, it's a brake disc. Take the wheel off. Undo the screws, right? Like, you've done your brake job before, right? There's got to be a way to quick. in the race, too. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So that's even more context. But you think it's not that difficult of a job right if you've heated up the brake enough to the point where it explodes you've likely welded something <laughs> well, 
Well, I don't even know how it failed, but yeah, so, they do get very hot. So it would not shock me if it's actually not possible to remove that within like two minutes. Yeah. And a two-minute pit stop is a very long pit stop. Yeah. I mean, they were losing a lot of time, but again, it was toward the end of the race, so it just wasn't worth it. Just get across yeah, the line. Yeah, just nurse it home, basically. Um, but yeah, the van wall had a much more spectacular brake failure, which I don't fully understand. <laughs> to be fair, I wouldn't have guessed that manufacturer because I forgot uh, yeah. they were involved. <laughs> so they had a brake failure, and the disc exploded, but like, like Hollywood exploded, like was on fire. Okay, and then bouncing down the circuit. No, no, no. It's oh. still within the wheel. So there's okay. fire pouring out of the wheel. Right? Oh, and you're nice. just like, okay, that's interesting that that mm-hmm. just spontaneously combusted. Yeah. And then it like locks up the rears or something and spins into the wall. And I was like, that was one of the weirdest failures I've ever seen. Like, does you think like if a brake fails like that, like it just explodes like on the Ferrari, the brake disc is gone. This yeah. thing just freaking caught fire and well, then locked up and then sent him in the wall. I wonder if that is. I wonder if the reason that Van Wall has that failure and Ferrari has the failure they had is because of racing history, knowing like, okay, guys, look, if we design the brake this way, when it fails, this is what happens. Whereas Van Wall joins joins the 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 race right, and they're like. So if we have a brake failure, we'll find out what happens. <laughs> like, we don't really know. We don't have any data on it. Yeah, I mean, you, they're definitely not as well-funded as Ferrari, for sure. Uh, you can tell. Just the car definitely looks more simple. Um, but I don't know, man. That was a weird incident. You'll have to take a look at it. It's just it does, like, what I'll, I'll check it out. there? It does blow my mind, though, too, to think about, like, when you start comparing the funding, but then you're talking about hypercars. Like, what? Why are you in this class then? Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you just be one of the wealthiest teams in one of the lower classes and just win? Yeah, or start there and then move up later. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess they were just like, let's go for it. Although, to be honest, <laughs> I... <laughs> At what point picked, in your development of your car do you go, yeah, it's not winning? Yeah, well, they picked a bad year to do that, too. You'd think you would have yeah, done with that. with everybody entering. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you could have at least competed against the Toyotas and, like, been getting second all the time, you know. And Well, third. Well, yeah, well. Or fourth. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, doing it now is like, okay, yeah, well, you got Ferrari, Cadillac, Porsche. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, let's, crap. Let's let everybody come back in, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, just a really weird failure. And then uh, there were some good GT battles uh, with the Corvette and the Ferrari. Um, but... I, I think this year it's crazy how much I've been more focused on prototypes, whereas in the past I feel like I didn't really care and I was more focused on GT cars, but the prototype racing right now is just like the best it's going to be for decades. Yeah, well, the prototype racing in IMSA, I can't speak for WEC, but the prototype racing in IMSA right now is the closest it's been in years. So that helps. You know, we we talked earlier in the episode about how we're racing fans, right? Like we want proper racing. Yeah. And we want to see moves. We want to see decisions being made and, and, and variety and variety risk. Yeah. So if that's the case, you don't watch prototype. Now all of a sudden they're like, oh, we can we can put that into into prototype. It's like, okay, all right, yeah, go all for right. it. Yeah. You mean they can go faster and and push the limits even more and still be close racing? Yeah. Sign me up. It is great to see so, the Cadillacs and WEC too because yeah, everything is some turbocharged whatever. And then you got the Cadillac screaming like a NASCAR. That's what I always loved about all of the the your pick your generation of Corvette going down the mall. 
you got these and, and the Porsche to some extent as well because they're the creativity with the flat well, six yeah, screaming yeah it's it's different but like you get these like oh this is a reserved turbo v8 yeah. and then all of a sudden it's like cattle or uh corvette goes through and you're, yeah you're like that i think earth opened like <laughs> and it's cool too because like historically the big v8 cars have always uh been admired like at places like at lamal you'll hear stories yeah. where like the american cars are always the crowd favorites because they had these big thunderous v8s and everybody's right. just like that's cool yeah <laughs> and it's going to be the same this year with the caddies which is awesome yeah yeah absolutely Absolutely. Yeah, but uh, overall, the th- the reason I was excited to sort of talk about Port of Mau is I've never watched a race there, and I don't even know what the track is yeah. like. You you've seen it before because Chris Harris used to do a lot of tests there. Okay. Um. So you recognize the track. Well, I recognize the name yeah. as well, but I just don't. I can't piece it together in my mind. So my main thing was that I was excited to watch it. I was like, oh, it's this really cool track, modern track. But problem with modern tracks like Port of Mau. Is this just one big, wide open expanse? The track's huge, and all of the corners are like really sweeping, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it was just, it really makes the cars look like they slow, they are slow on TV. And like, I was struggling to watch it actually. I was surprised. I, I think there's a big issue right now with the track architecture, and I say right now, on the tracks that we're racing on right now, yeah. so obviously they would have been built years ago, but there was a period of time when they were building a lot of these newer tracks that we see, and Coda falls victim to this a little bit, but I think it's probably the best example of getting itself out of what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. They fall victim to, let's do whatever's safe, and they don't push the boundaries. No one is sitting back saying, how can I unsettle the car? Yeah. And I feel like that would be... Or just change the dynamic. Well, but I think if if the architect goes into designing the track saying, how can I make this car unhappy through this corner or through the next corner, yeah. then we're going to have a lot more fun tracks. Because really, what makes Sebring so intriguing? There's tons of different corners. There, there's a thousand different ways to tight. go around any corner. And then... At any given moment, the car can step out on you, and you are you are fighting it now. You are in for a war. That does not happen on any of these other tracks, even Coda. That doesn't happen on. Yeah. So if you can't create that with the pavement, with what you're what you're driving on the surface, then you need to find a way to do it in the cornering, in the design of the track, in the lines that you're taking. There is not enough, like, when you talk about sweeping corners, like, I immediately think of, what is it, turns four through seven at, at Coda, mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, it's the S's, it's kind of cool. It's like, no, you get them right, dude. It's just done. It's like, what are we doing here? Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Like, I would rather see one where it's like, okay, we got to really take, whoa, whoa, what the hell was that? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah exactly. <laughs> But you don't realize it. Like, I feel like I took Sebring for granted because perfect example is, like, the S's at Sebring where you're coming down. You've got after turn one, you come down to that left-hander, and then you enter the S's and come out of it. It's like you'd be like, oh, that can't be any different than most tracks. Everything at Portimao is it feels like pieces that were put together. It's a big braking zone with this degree of a corner. And then you have a straightaway that goes this long, and then it's attached to another corner. Like, it doesn't have any kind of... It's character? Yeah, but it's really difficult to describe 
even tracks that are modern and have sort of irregular corners, it feels like the corners are designed to be easy to go through. Whereas something like Sebring, it feels like you never get it quite right. You know, yeah. you're watching and you're just like, ah, it, the car just looked like it didn't quite make it through I, there. I always got that same feeling anytime we would do any sim racing. I always got that same feeling at Sonoma. Yeah. That was another one of those, yeah, exactly. those tracks. You just never feel you, like you got it right. No. Yeah. It was like, man, I definitely, you definitely, like, without a doubt, you did not get every corner no. right. But this track, you look at it, you go, okay, you have an enormous braking zone, which I feel like is one of the things that the designers of modern tracks, like, really emphasizing because they think that's where all the passing happens but it's like okay you just have this big zone where like anybody can just drive around somebody Mm -hmm. and then it's like a like i said x degree to the right x degree to the left there's just like there's just nothing there it's really weird it's a weird feeling watching because i'm like i wanted to love it well what it what it reminds me of is they essentially developed the track with a computer generated software that what you can do is you can pick between about six different types of corners, mm-hmm. and then you have to piece them all together. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like a forty-five degree left or a forty-five that, degree that's right? Exactly what it is. And it's like yeah, and it's like, can I have a forty-two degree left? Right. No. It's like, <laughs> like like a track like uh, Canada, Montreal. Uh, uh, I'm not. Gonna, I always. Gilles Villeneuve. Yeah, yes, exactly. I can never say that word. Uh, name. Um, but that track would never be designed today. No. Well, nor would nor would this is probably the most obvious one to me is is and if like it was, it'd be one like, that yeah. seems modern yeah. but is actually a really good track is Catalonia. Yes. Catalonia is a fantastic track mm-hmm. that seems like it's easy in a lot of ways, and then you start to get on it. Obviously, all of our experience on it is sim racing. Yeah, We've been there, but you you get on it and you're like, man. I, I did not get that corner right. Like, that was weird. What the hell was mm-hmm. that? And there you are regularly wondering, I'm not sure. Like, you want to hit almost like a reset button just for that corner. Yeah, just do it over and over again. But there's so many modern tracks now where it's like, I don't think I could have done that corner any better. Yeah, so I just like feel like maybe, like... right in front of you. Yeah. And just plain yeah, to it, see. It, it, it is what it's... It, like, it does what it says on the can, yeah. right? Like, it's right there. It's like, that's a left hand. But I feel like right? they also try to add, like, funky stuff into it. I can see what you're but saying, But, like, though. even, like, Baku in F1, you know? Or, mm-hmm. sorry, not Baku. Um, what's that track called? I mean, that's very creative, yeah, no, but that's not exactly the, an actual track. The one we just watched. The one that's a street circuit, but it's not a street circuit. It all looks the same. The, Australia? No, the Melbourne? The Arabia one, I think. Oh, Bahrain? I don't remember what it's called. No, it wasn't Bahrain. It was the one after Bahrain. We did watch Saudi Arabia, right? Saudi, I'm pretty sure it's a Saudi GP that's a street circuit, in quotes. What's it called? It's I can't remember the I'll name I'll pull it up. It. But that track, remember it all looks the same, and the onboards are just like, I can't even tell where I'm at. But that track also, I think, suffers from the same thing, where it's just like these flowing corners, which is nice with aero cars like F1. But like it's just lacking some kind of character that like a place like Sebring yeah, just or, Saudi Arabia 2023. Yeah. But I think the reason is a lot of these old circuits, you know, they were based off some random road that was like Spa. Spa was like just some random road. They were like, okay, if we go here, this way, that way, that way, bam, racetrack. <laughs> some, whoever made Spa just looked at a Rouge and went, how can we get that on yeah, the track? Yeah, that like, into a racing circuit. Yeah, yeah but yeah, it's like that doesn't happen anymore. Now when you have somebody designing it, it's feel like I can imagine like some stuck-up designer with like a uh, paintbrush, like, f- like designing this like really flowing thing with the arm. They're just like, yeah, oh yeah, that's a turn. 
now this is a turn. You're just like, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if I like this as an right. actual racetrack. Right. But I want the ar the artistry of the driver. <laughs> Drawing his lines through the course, like, it's no, like have no. You ever, I want him to struggle his life out and hate every moment he's having. Out have here. you ever seen one of those corporate um, packages, like for a logo, like almost a stock photo logo? No, no, no type like thing? the package that you get. Like if you're a big company and you say we want a logo redesign, and you some company does the redesign for you, you're gonna okay. get this package, okay, that explains. The science and ideas behind the logo. Have you ever seen oh, one Jesus. of these? No. Oh, dude, you gotta go. So Pepsi recently sort of did a logo thing. You have to go look at this like thing, man. It's amazing. But that kind of thing is, I feel like. I don't like think I want to. I like. I'm getting mad and just thinking about it. I can't wait to show you. But that kind of package is, I feel like, the designers of these circuits that get the contract like. So as you can see, this front straightaway stretches out like this, and this shape is exactly five degrees that it moves to the right. Now this creates this kind of thing. You're just like, okay, dude, I just, I just want a racetrack. You just stop. <laughs> like I feel like that's how they're being designed. If you've seen, if you've seen I, I get, this kind of get, stuff, you know what I'm saying. I get what you're saying. I'm, I'm just, I'm slowly filling with so much rage. <laughs> You can, you can see how that would 100%, be the case, right? 100%, yeah. It, it just drives me nuts. Like, it's just some, some dude that is high off of his own farts. <laughs> just living yeah. life. He, like, he went to school for two years in San Francisco and got an art degree. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, they're, just, they're like, you can see this one is a perfect 30-degree angle. Statistically, the most likely to uh, have a racing... Uh, pass, let's say. High just, probability of passing. Of action, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We've combined it with this radius over here, which you can, and you're just like, oh my God. <laughs> I guarantee you that's you probably know, how it goes down. It, you just made me think, I, and I, I, this is all on the fly, so maybe I'm wrong here, but this, I might have solved the problem. We've developed tracks for passing rather than developing tracks that create problems for the cars. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's a good way to put it. Because passing should be created by mistakes by the drivers because of the difficulty of the track. Yeah. Not because of the opportunity to do so because of the simplicity of the track. A hundred percent. And I think that's, uh, I forget what bias it's called. I think it's survivor bias. Is, uh, you know, it's like, you've ever seen the picture of the warplane that comes back all shot up? And so people go, oh, wow, look at all those holes. We got to armor up everywhere there are holes. Until, but the that's the exact opposite thing that you want to do. You want to say, where are there no holes? Because this plane made it back, you know. So I feel like they see, okay, well passes typically happen under braking, so we'll just have a track that has these huge braking zones. Right. Like, yeah, but but the pass wasn't because of the braking. Great parallel. The pass was because the first guy got loose and the other guy got a better run out of. Yeah, you're looking at the wrong thing to analyze. Yes, exactly. So I think there's a lot of that going on as well. Yeah, hundred percent. So, yeah, that's that was poor to mouth. That was poor to mouth. That's that's a bummer. Also, the the coverage was weird. It was like split up on. So what you're telling me is it's probably a good thing I didn't watch it. Yeah, no, it it's so weird though because we have this very similar cars to what's racing in IMSA, and I think they had a good race at Sebring, but it wasn't as tight as the IMSA race. And it seems to be consistently that the IMSA races are great, and then the WEC races are kind of. Eh, you know, like, mm. 
in terms of passing and battles. Doesn't it just feel like IMSA's out there having a good time? Yes. And WEC is just like, look at how professional yeah, we are. Like, you guys look everything. miserable. Per- like, perfect analogy. I think this is hilarious. I've seen it a couple times now. I saw it at Sebring, and I saw it again at Portimao during the race. There's a guy, right, that stages all the cars on the front straight. And then, you know, it's right before they go out. So... At some point, everyone has had the experience before where they're waiting in a line. And when the person in front of you in line moves, what do you do? You move. Yeah, you follow. There's a guy at the start of the WEC races that runs down the line of cars and tells them when to go. And I always see it, and I think to myself, I'm pretty sure he knows when to go because the guy that was beside him just did a burnout. You know, and you're just like, you're following that guy. And yeah. so I, every time I'm just like, what is he doing? It makes no sense. But they're like, okay, we need to have a person that tells the cars when to go. We cannot trust the drivers to know. It's the racing equivalent of digging holes and filling them back in and paying somebody to do it. Like, oh, yeah, these racing drivers, they have no idea what they're doing in an automobile, and they have no idea about situational awareness. They'll never know when they should go. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> just tell them, okay, when the guy next to you goes, That's, you go. That is very WEC. Right? Very, good, very WEC. It's a good yep. analogy, I think. Yep. 100%. So, so, so yeah, so that yeah, was so Portimao. Uh, I think up next we have Spa. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Me, I will tune into that for yeah, sure. Let me double check like, that. It's got to be because uh, if uh, Le Mans is in June, then we yeah. must be getting close to Spa. Okay. So. And then do you know where we're headed for IMSA next? Uh, I can check real quick on the website. Okay. Uh, so we've got, yeah, Spa's next, uh, April 27th to 29th, and then Le Mans is June 7th through 11th. Okay. Although I have a, a note there that the tests begin June 4th. So. And Spa is a six-hour. Yes. And then the IMSA we have up next. Uh, we have Long Beach. So next up is Monterey. Uh, okay. May 12th to 14th. Okay. So a little bit of a cool. wait. Yeah. Got a little away. bit of dead time, yeah. But. Uh, and then Baku next week. Yes, which will be interesting. Baku's always interesting. Yeah. We've got it's, that it's chaos. silly spurt race thing going on, too. Yeah, yeah, we should. I, I, do you know what time, local time, they're doing that? I do not know. For us, let me see if I can pull that up. Maybe we should try and watch that together or something like that and just yeah. go from there because it could. That, that, it, there's a good chance that ends up very interesting. Yeah. Let's see. Sprint race is going to be at 9.30 a.m. Perfect. That's not too bad, actually. No, and then the race will be at 7 a.m. the next day. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, no kidding. But all right. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? We went on I plenty of tangents today. Yeah, so. I got nothing, man. You you you've pulled every every weird intricacy I've ever had in my life out. So <laughs> all right, perfect. Well, um, thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to check out the website, I've actually been changing a bunch of stuff, and I'm really gonna have to train myself not to keep changing as much stuff as I am. But I'm really just trying to optimize it. Uh, if you're interested in checking out the schedules for all the races that's on the website, uh, if you want to follow us on social media, it is Motorsports and Focus on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, and otherwise, hope you enjoyed.